Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. post-weekend review show. I'm your host Ali and joining me as always we have Si and Dave. How are we chaps? Uh, not too bad, thank you. Yeah, fine thank you Ali. How are you? I'm a bit stuffy but yeah, I'm alright. Good, A good weekend almost for the three of us. At least you got a bit of excitement Dave. Well, that's what it's all about. Yeah. <laughs> a bit of excitement. Uh-huh. Well, it's, it's a, hopefully it's a sign of things to come for yourselves. Um before we get started on the football, and before we get back to the, the new quiz, um, just a reminder that the, the music you heard in the intro was brought to you by Apollo Junction, the song Light Up the Sky, and we will get the full song again at the end, um, so be sure to check them out on Spotify. Just a, a quick advert interruption here for you. I'm your host, Ali, as you've heard me as we introduced the pod, just to let you know that this podcast is supported by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Champions of the world, you may say. Manscaped offers precise engineer tools for your family jewels. Manscaped have just launched their fourth generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. And with this, we have an exclusive offer for you. Enter the code MOTP at checkout at manscaped.com and you will receive 20% off and free worldwide shipping. Now, gentlemen, I don't know if you knew much about Manscaped prior to this, um, but I am a current customer of Manscaped, so to get the 4.0 from them, it's been an absolute delight. Simon, as a bald man yourself, um, you must be delighted with this, to see this. You can't stop using your, your shiny balls and your shiny head. You can't use the same razor for both. You certainly can't, no, and uh, it, I do need something to, to keep what little hair follicles I have trimmed down, so yeah, it sounds right up, right up my street, this. It's, the, look, this is, it's genuinely, it's, it's, like Dave, you said it before, it's it's a weird conversation to have, just men talking about balls. Um, like it's, it's, it's something we all go through, nobody wants to nip their balls with a, a set of clippers and have blood dripping everywhere. Anybody, anybody who... Who does trim downstairs? It's it's a product worth looking at. Definitely look into manscaped.com. Check out their products. Um, it's there's a wireless charging. There's there's a light on it if you want to be strange or surprise your wife. She will thank you in the end. Um, but if you try to do it in the dark, you try to sneakily do it. Um, it's all there for you. As I say, look when you get to check out, um, use the code MOTP man on the post manscaped on the post. Um, at checkout, and you will get 20% off and free shipping. And as we say, your balls will thank you. 
back over to the guys. Right, chaps, week two of the of the quiz. Dave as reigning champion again with your Alan Partridge TV show. Um, your questions will remain the same. Simon, what is your chosen topic for this? It's uh, stereophonics. So glad you said that, just in case that went wrong. <laughs> <laughs> right, Dave, since you are defending champion, I assume you would like to go first? Yeah, why not? Right, so question one for yourself then, Dave. Right. What was the name of Alan's talk show? Uh, knowing me, knowing you. It was indeed 1-0, Dave. Simon, question number one for yourself. Stereophonics released a live album in 2006. What was it called? Uh, is it Live from Dakota? It was indeed 1-1. One, one. Uh, Dave, question number two. When Tony Hayers, I assume is how it's pronounced, yep. denies Alan a second season, what does Alan tell Tony to smell? Uh, <laughs> my cheese, your mother. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to get you to name the line. <laughs> <laughs> two, two, one, two, one to Dave. Uh, Simon, question number two for yourself. What Oscar winning film did Maybe Tomorrow appear on? Uh, crash. It was. It was. Well done. Question number three, Dave. What did Camp David, Alan's comedy character, for anyone who doesn't know like me, have for breakfast? Oh, God. Uh, I know the skit as well. I'm sure it's like a... a, 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 um, You know, like a break in between part of his radio show. Uh, I think I know this. I think it is. I think he's come back to me. (laughs) Uh, Is it... Is it Mint? <laughs> Do you know what? I I really don't mind if I lose this week. I'm quite happy to hear my Alan Partridge questions. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kind of hard to get, when you actually know the show. It's kind of hard to find these questions, guys. <laughs> right, Simon. Question number three for you. The first five albums of Stereophonics were You've Got to Go There to Come Back, Language, Sex, Violence, Just Enough Education to Perform, Word Gets Around, and Performance in Cocktails. Can you put them in chronological order? In first yeah, so it's Word Gets Around, yep. then uh, Performance in Cocktails, yep. Just Enough Education to Perform, yep. you got to go there to come back, Language, yep. Sex, Violence, of it. Correct. 3-3. Three, three. Glad I've got a sudden death question here, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Number four for yourself, Dave. What song does Alan sing to Jill on Valentine's Day? Uh, Why do birds suddenly appear? (laughs) Oh, I've got as close to you. Yeah, that is is the song. Okay, that's fine. I'll I'll give you that then. (laughs) Sheer moment of panic coming up there. (laughs) Right, question number four for yourself then, Simon. What song are these lyrics from? In the scrapyard, in the chip shop, in the phone box, in the pool hall. A thousand trees. Indeed. 4-4. Four, four. Question number five, Dave. What is the music playing in Alan's car when he takes Lynn to visit her mum's grave? Oh, that's a stink. It's an instrumental, so like... <laughs> oh, what's it, what's it called? Um, uh, it's... 
I, I can picture him doing I, I know, I can, I can picture him doing it. Uh, I can't think what the song's called. Uh, oh, I'm going to have to pass, sorry. I don't know. Any any idea, Simon? No, I, I, I don't know. I, I can picture and I can hear it, but I don't know what it's called. It, it's Return of the Saint. Aye, fair play. The, it was between that question, Dave, or how long did he say he was giving her to visit? I take it must have been a... It's something like six minutes. <laughs> ten, ten minutes, he said. Yeah. I got the, the bit that I read. To win. Um, and remain with Stereophonics next week. Finish the lyrics to the song Traffic. We all face the same way. Ah... Uh. Oh my god, I'm having a complete blank. Oh my god, it's completely gone from my head, and I love that song. Oh, it's been the same way. We all. Oh my Christ, this is awful. <laughs> I'm getting all hot. I've gone, I've gone. I, I can't think. Uh, still, it takes all day. Oh my gosh, you. F- Idiot, Simon, you idiot, you idiot. <laughs> All right. I, I do feel Dave's question might be slightly easier than yours, but I try to make it kind of along the same one. So, Dave, your sudden death question. How many episodes in total of the show was there? Uh, uh, there was... There's only 12, I think. Indeed, 12. Simon, to equalise, and then I don't know what we're doing, because I'm really... <laughs> Stereophonics have released 11 studio albums. Studio being the keyword, okay? Yeah. How many singles have they released? Oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, Christ. <laughs> <laughs> that is tough. <laughs> Fucking hell. Oh, my God. Um, 11 studio albums. If you say an average, maybe four singles an album. Plus another couple extra, so ah, oh. forty-three, fifty. Ah, you bastards! That's yeah, tough on that. It was. There was forty-eight from the eleven albums, and then there's two being released from the new album, which is out next year. Yeah, uh, that's disappointing. But I mean, I'm, as I say, I'm, I'm quite happy to hear more Alan Partridge <laughs> questions next week. Uh, I can't believe you you lost it on, on the last question, Simon. Uh, honestly, like I've, I've seen them like ten times, and uh, I'm, just, I'm so annoyed with myself from that. I was completely panicked. <laughs> to, to anyone at home listening, Simon has actually appeared on Pointless and won yet <laughs> Sunday Man in the Post on his own topic. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh. Anyway, chaps, uh, well done again. So, Dave, you will be sticking with Alan Partridge. I will find some new questions. And Simon will let us know through the week his chosen subject for next week and see if he can, he can talk <laughs> about next. Right, on, on to the football, chaps. Um, and as I put in a group, it's kind of hard to ignore really any games because there's a lot of goals and a lot to talk about. But I think if we... We'll, we'll talk about, especially the new manager, guys... Um, Obviously, Villa, yourselves, Dave, Norwich um, is, the, is the first three. And then, obviously, we'll talk about uh, the Man United game for obvious reasons, which we'll, 
will then come on to it and then we'll kind of just brush over the rest of the other games um, whatever talking points we see fit so we'll start with yourself Simon um, where obviously Stephen Gerrard taking over since we last uh, spoke and uh, first winning six five five defeats in the bounce and then 2-0 win against obviously Brighton who were kind of sitting pretty in the league so um, yeah how, how was Gerrard's first game and what differences did you see? Um <coughs> The first game, it wasn't a great game of football, I'll be honest. We, um, I said the first sort of 10, 15 minutes, we, we did start quite brightly. And the one sort of immediate difference was we moved the ball an awful lot quicker than we had been this season. It, it was, it was that quite high intensity that, that we started. But we kind of, it dropped off a bit, a bit quicker than, than I'd have liked to have seen. And I suspect, a lot quicker than uh, Gerard would have liked to have seen. Brighton came back into the game as as the first half wore on. In terms of they like they sort of did what they always did. They had quite a bit of the ball. They did nothing really with it. Uh, towards the end of the first half, Martinez made a couple of saves. The first one was one I'd, I'd expect him to save, and then the second one from Lumpty, he came out very quickly and made himself big. And then this, the second half, it kind of, it just looked like it was petering out into a boring nil-nil, which, to be fair, like, I sort of turned to my brother as we were watching it and saying, you know, even if this does peter out nil-nil, at least, at least it stops, stops the rot. And then um, a couple of substitutions that, that sort of changed it, really. He, he brought, I felt like I was back in 2009 because he brought Ashley Young on onto the left wing. And like I was half expecting John Caruso to pop up on the pitch as well, but um, it, you know, wasn't was the sub that I'd have necessarily have thought to make to, to, to stick uh, Young on out out on the wing. But it, it allowed he cause we'd start with a four three three with Watkins wide left, and he took um, he took Ings off for Young and, and pushed Watkins back through the middle, and, and that that sort of made the change. And it's where the, the first goal came from is. Really nice counter attack. Uh, started young, picked it up just on the edge of the box, drove forwards, uh, sent Watkins away. I mean, Brighton, I think, will be be, be be disappointed with the defending for that first goal because they, they let Watkins just cut inside far too easily and open himself up to finish. Um, so that was, I think, the 84th minute, maybe, I think we went 1 0 up. And what I really did like after that was. We didn't, you know, we you lost five games in a row. You go one nil up with five, six minutes to go. You'd be forgiven for thinking, right? Let's just sit back and you know try and see this out. But they didn't actually. Once we went one nil up, it was like, right, come on, let's let's go get a second and finish the game off, uh, which we did. Uh, Tyro Mings with a lovely little finish. I've got to say he he was excellent actually. He's, he's had a you know hasn't been great in the last couple of weeks, but. He he played really really well yesterday and, and sort of dealt with anything that Brighton did offer, and then even then once went two 0 up again they they pushed forward and we nearly got a third. So Leon Bailey drew a good save from their keeper. So it wasn't spectacular, but having lost five in a row, we didn't need a spectacular performance. It's all about the results and just getting that clean sheet. Just the confidence boost that will give. We've got Crystal Palace away next weekend, which you know will be a difficult game. They've they've been playing well, but it's it's a game that we're more than capable of going and winning. And just 
just having that that confidence boost from that result yesterday hopefully can sort of uh, reignite our season. So, you know, the bit bit of there's still plenty of work to do, and I think he'll have instantly looked at that central midfield. I mean, I've, I've been saying it all season, said that in, in the summer we need to sign a, a big fucker in the midfields. And you looking yes, watching the game yesterday, I was thinking, God, I'd love to have like Bissouma in our midfields and just have him as that base to allow begin Ramsey, Louise to push forward. So that that that's an area that Gerald I think would definitely want to address in January. But good start, can't complain. Yeah, see, on again, obviously. I feel McGinn's loved more by non-Villa fans than Villa fans. Um, obviously, because you watch him a lot more closely than the rest of us. So we only kind of see the the good points sort of thing. Mm. Uh, but obviously, the, the Villa podcast that I listened to, they were talking about, obviously, he plays very attacking for Scotland. You know, almost in the, the number 10 role, just kind of box-to-box, like, energetic. And <coughs> they said that they would rather see him you know, doing that for, for Villa, which obviously requires you signing a midfielder, which I think should be your priority come January or at least the summer regardless. So, I mean, what's your thoughts on McGinn overall? I, I love McGinn. I, I, I'm one of his biggest fans. I, I mean, I, I still can't believe we got him for 2.25 million. I think that's it's an outrageous sum of money to pay for him. Um, I really like him, but I do I do think there is an element of in if we're playing in a four three three, then I wouldn't. You don't want him to be the one that you're relying on as that main sort of not necessarily like defensive player, but you know what I mean. You, you, yeah. you, I want McGinn to be able. I, he's best. I mean, he's all energetic. He's all you know high energy, and he will get about the pitch and he will get back and do his defensive work, which is great and he's good at. But he's at his best, I think, when he's allowed to drive forwards and, and get get in and around the box because he's got he's got goals in him and he's he's got a good pass on him. So I think if he yeah if he can have someone like a Bissoum or that type of player who's going to you you know that he's just going to sit there and I think he'll give him a bit more license and I think you get even more out of him. And I think Douglas Louise is the same. I think he'd benefit from having someone like that to be allowed to go forward more. Yeah, no, just it's always curious to hear to hear different opinions on that. Um, I think everybody agrees that the midfield's definitely your not your weakest. Probably, no, it probably is your weakest area because you've got good forwards and you've got good defenders, and, and obviously you've got a, a very good goalkeeper. Uh, Dave, I mean, on on Village, obviously, I mean, how impressed? In fact, what was your thoughts on Gerald's appointment in the first place? And then, yeah, how how do you think he's he's debuting? Um. I wasn't blown away by them getting him. Um, as a, I wouldn't say I, I don't think they're going to be anywhere near relegation candidates. But at the time they were kind of down there near us. I wasn't petrified by them by them appointing them. There were some of the people out there who I thought if they got them, they'd you know I'll be like, well, that kind of seals it. So I, I'm not totally struck on him yet as a manager. I don't think he's really proven an awful lot um, domestically. I know he, he did really well at Rangers, but you know it, it's it's a two horse race which he won convincingly. Um, so I wasn't overly struck on him as a manager, but um, yesterday that they got there in the end, I thought Brighton didn't do what they always do, which is have lots of the ball and lots of chances and didn't score. And then, you know, Villa did. So, um, And I guess from Gerard's point of view, the changes he made ultimately won the game, so it's a feather in his cap to start with. 
Yeah, yeah, just nice and just the, probably the, the perfect start for him, isn't it? Really. Um, I mean, he he really needs this job to go well if he's got sights on the Liverpool job down the line. Um, I just don't see in any way if this was to go bad for him. Um, so he, he's really bet on himself, like highly here. You know, he's he's took himself out a, a fairly cushy job up here in Scotland. Um, and he and he's better himself big and a team that are as you say, Dave, they're 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 probably not candidates to go down, but they're sitting in they're not sitting in a pretty place, you know, before the game yesterday and there's a lot of pressure on. As we've mentioned before, Simon, your owners are, you know, very ambitious. <coughs> so like as much as I dislike him, he, he's definitely like thrown the pressure on his back and um he's saying the right words, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, as you say, he kind of our Rangers, you know, is there's obviously the, the sort of there's the pressure today in terms of they you know, they expect it to go out and win every week, but it's 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 a fairly comfortable-ish position to to be in at that football club. So to for him to to back himself, you know, sort of fair play to him. Um, and yeah, you know what, what you say there about him saying the right things. I, I know it's easy to say the right things, and you know, the proof is ultimately in the pudding later. But I, I've got to be honest, I kind of, I wasn't overly. It wasn't that I was down on him getting the job. It's just that I didn't get excited by it. I, I just, I didn't, I didn't necessarily think it was that big an upgrade that it was worth making the decision to sack Smith. But having having said that, the, the more I've sort of read about him and the backroom staff as well, and and having heard his first couple of interviews uh, at Villa since he's been at the club that he's done on on the website, and that he he actually he, he does sound like he, he actually knows what he's talking about, and he's clearly already done quite a bit of research in our previous games, the way he was talking about our defensive setup and our shape and stuff like that. So. You know, you just we'll have to wait and see. Ultimately, you know, we won't know until a year or two down the line whether it was the right thing to do or not. But you know, he's downwards enough, but hopefully. Just a quick one on that. Uh, on his backroom staff, has he brought the same backroom staff from? Yeah. From Rangers, yeah. So you've got Michael Beale and Gary McAlister. Yeah, both of them. Yeah. Michael Beale is an absolute football genius. Um, That's all I've been hearing. I mean, I'll, be, I'll be honest, I've never really heard of him until a couple of weeks ago, but the more I do read and hear, it seems like everyone has nothing but great things to say about him. He's obsessed with football. He's um, methodical. He's he's like the the brains. But, you know, Gerard. not taking anything away from Gerard. Like, yeah. His tactics here and all that, but Gerard's more like the passion, the motivator, the... Like what we've seen on the football pitch, you know, yeah. just and yeah, Michael Beale's the like the tactics guy behind the scene and probably the one who's arranging training sessions and stuff like that. I I, I fully believe that. I've been lucky enough to to speak to Michael Beale twice on a podcast um, and interview him, um, doing all the pieces of me and that, and then speaking to him. He managed to he stayed on the podcast after it for for a good couple of hours just chatting football. Um, because I was fascinated, obviously, being so so integral to the Liverpool youth set up, like the yeah, all the, the the Harry Wilsons, the Ryan Kents that were really you know the Ojos um, from from years ago. He was he was integral to bringing them through from like twelve, thirteen year old. Um, mm. So yeah, if he's there, it's um, yeah, I think he's will do he's will do fine. And and McAllister, 
I seen what he did for Gerard as a player when he came as a player for us. So he's definitely got a lot to offer, especially any young midfielders coming through for you guys. You know, if you've got McAllister and Gerard there in training. Yeah. Uh, if that's not motivational enough for you, for like a Jacob Ramsey and, and even a John McGinn, who's obviously he's not young, but it's, um, it's definitely motivational for you. So, yeah, good good start for Gerard. As we say, it's more of a, a wait and see. I do like the fact that he's he's heaped the pressure on himself and he's gambled on himself rather than taking an easy one. But, yeah, a good start, as you say. 2-0 win at Brighton. Not going to be scoffed at. Um, just quickly on Brighton. I take it we're all in agreement. This is just our last season's Brighton performance, really. You know, they, they weren't bad at all in this game, but they just they just lack something again. They've just no, they're all, you know, they're all all show no substance sort of thing. I mean, I I was actually a bit disappointed with them, to be honest. I thought they'd have been better. Like they they had they had a lot of possession, but. It's only after the game when I saw the stats and I saw that I had a lot of possession because watching it, it didn't feel like it. And he's looking back it's because it's just their defenders are passing it to each other. I, no, I, right. I, I, I was disappointed. I, I expected a bit more from them, if I'm being honest. Well, that's it. I felt the same after they only drew with us just before the international break. Um, I was expecting to get tonked because, in terms of football and philosophies at the time, we were at one end of the scale and they were the other. Um, and in the end, they were looking to get a draw and purely because you know the keeper took a red card in the last minute. Hmm. Um, they haven't won in five games now. I think the uh, the early season yeah. momentum is kind of well and truly falling away. And I, to be honest, don't see them climbing back up the table anytime soon. Yeah, that's um, that's interesting. I hadn't even actually. I was just looking at the results there. And yeah, the start of the season has really carried them some. Like they're, they're almost almost a pretense here. Um, I might need to start paying attention more to Brighton because I might have to jump up the train. <laughs> right, on to other new managers who wasn't actually in charge of this game. Yet. Um, is this not typical Newcastle? But since we last spoke again, Dave, uh, Eddie Howe is officially the, the Newcastle manager. Uh, yeah. But unfortunately, <laughs> was come down with a, a case of COVID, so wasn't in the in the dugout. Was I, I assume he wasn't even at the stadium. Uh, yeah, that's right. Um, but a a free all draw with with Brentford. Um, yeah, where did all these goals come from? Then? Well, I mean, firstly, I suppose the positives are you know we had, we had more possession than the team for the first time in a long time. Um, we had something like twenty three shots. Um, obviously, we scored three goals, which is great. But defensively, we looked a bit shambolic. So, um, quite a bit to work on. Uh, whether it would be any different had Howell been there or not, I'm not so sure. I, I think he had, you know, he had two weeks to work with the players. Um, I'd rather we had that and missed the game rather than sort of missed all that and was just there for the game. If you know what I mean? So, if I had to pick, uh, was this the way around it would have to be? It sounds like he's also going to be absent next Saturday as well, um, due to the isolation protocols and stuff. So, uh, not not great, but um, a bit like what Shai said earlier about Gerard. You know, how talks a great game. Um, He's made a lot of people think he's the right man for the job. Um, I just honestly don't know whether we will or not. Um, we've got a big job on to keep us up. Our next, we've got our next two home games are against Norwich and Burnley, which we're going to need six points from. I think um, I said we needed seven from his first four. I'm pretty much writing off Arsenal next week. Um, 
but then we've got Norwich and Burnley, which you know we're going to have to win both games to have any sort of chance of getting out of this. Uh, but the football was much better. Um, you know, he stuck with three at the back, but he had um, he had Shelby and Willock in midfield rather than another defensive midfielder in there, so that was quite progressive. Um, I guess the other side of that was that we were very, very easy to, to play through when we didn't have the ball. Um, I expected a lot of our fan base to be quite doom and gloom after after the result, but it's actually been the opposite. Everyone's been very, very positive. Um, those who were there said it was, you know, the best match we've played in years. We haven't, you know, even the games we won under Bruce. Generally, we kind of hung in there um, and nicked a goal that kind of performance. Whereas this was a game we tried to take the opposition, um, but unfortunately the defence let us down on the day. The first goal, Carl Darlow won't want to see back. It's awful goalkeeping. He is on borrowed time. Dubravka's finally fit again, so I think that'll be a change that's made next week. Um, the own goal, I mean, he just throws a leg at us. What can you, what can you say? Um, it's, uh, the goals that were avoidable, but on the front line, we should really have won the game. I mean, St. Maxman looked fantastic and then put Joe Linton in who fell over. Um, so some things never change, but there's enough there to think, you know, we haven't, certainly haven't given up the ghost coming back from goal down twice is, is, is encouraging. Um, but fundamentally, we're bottom of the table. Um, we've got six points from 12 games. We need to start winning some matches soon quickly. Yeah, definitely need to get a, a run together. Um, it's just not, as you say, the, your new manager coming in, it's not been ideal. Not really got the time to, to address the situations he wants to address yet. Um, it's almost just, as you say, the two of the next three games are almost must-wins, really. And, yeah, well, it's it's almost just kind of staying alive till January, really, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm not sure how many people are going to be lined up to sign for us if we're in the position we're in now come January. Um, certainly no one who's going to improve us, I wouldn't have thought, will want to come for maybe five or six months on loan. Might be the best you're going to get, but... Um, I can't see anybody uh, of any great value coming to us in January to, you know, probably play in the championship. If we, as I said the other week, you know, our fixtures just get horrible as we get closer towards Christmas. Um, if we can get through Norwich and Burnley with some wins, that'll, that'll help. But, you know, after that, um, I say we've got Arsenal next week. We've got Norwich, we've got Burnley, we then go to Leicester, we've got Liverpool. We host Man City, we host Man United, we go to Evan, and that's the rest of the year. It's uh, pretty slim pickings, I think, for anyone's for anyone's mantra. So um, we need those wins and quickly. So um, he's inherited a, a, a bad a, a bad run of fixtures, and also you know squad is clearly not brilliant anyway. So um, I am worried. I'm probably about a seven out of ten in terms of will we get relegated. Um, I don't think we've got the third worst squad in the league by any means, but it's getting to the point now. I'm starting to think, you know, who who actually is going to go down? Um, you know, Norwich have picked up two wins on the spin. Um, Burnley, uh, I know Ali, you're your boys, but we'll come on to their game later on. But it's the type of game they'd normally win one nil and laugh about it. But but when they're shipping three goals at home to Palace, you start to wonder is their time running out? Yeah, well, I mean, Burnley are the Kind of your key target just now, aren't you? Like if they are shipping a lot of goals, and obviously the the, the biggest talking point transfer wise is obviously Burnley's key centre half at the moment as well. Um, so I mean, if they can stay lower down, you might still be able to get him, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, 
you can offer them enough money rather than them leaving for free. Um, at least it might be it might be something. I mean, Simon. I mean, again, thoughts on Eddie Howe taking over Newcastle for yourself, and how optimistic are you with the way things are going of, of Newcastle staying up for next season? Um, Eddie, I I do think Eddie Howe's obviously got like good qualities to him. I mean. You, what he did at Bournemouth, you know, you you can't knock taking them from where he did to the Premier League and and keeping them there for a while. My my concern, if if looking at it from like an outside point of view, is that whilst this Bournemouth team played good football, they they were awful defensively. They always conceded sixty odd goals a season, and you almost. Sort of saw like oh no he wasn't at the, he wasn't there himself yesterday but you almost saw that encapsulated in that game yesterday but all of a sudden they they looked like you know they were on the front foot and committing men forwards but just not great defensively and I I don't I don't think that that is a particularly good defence for the Premier League that they've got and Newcastle there I think the majority of them are from. Not wrong. We're we're still with you when you when when you won, went up from the championship. Is that right? Uh, Lasalle and Clark were, but you've got to bear in mind, you know, Benitez took those two um, to tenth, and then yeah. with the addition of Share and Fernandez, we you know we, we were mid table. So, um, oh, granted, a couple, a couple of years longer in the tooth, but yeah, it's been shown they can be capable at this level, but they just need organising really. But that that that's the thing. Is is that Rafa? No, maybe not going so great with Everton at the moment. But you know, what, what, traditionally he's very, he's very good, clever tactical manager, and he'll he's very good at organisation. I don't think was how there's great attractive qualities to what he to the way that Bournemouth team play. But the one thing you can never say they were was organised defensively, and so that that's something. That 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 I think would be concerning, and as sort of Dave just alluded to there. So the run of fixtures that that they've got before the new year, you sort of you look at those Burnley Norwich games and kind of think they need to be taking maximum points from them because I mean it's not impossible that they couldn't get results in any of those other games. I mean you went to Leicester and yeah. somehow battered them at the end, you know, <laughs> the run the run that you were on at the time. So it's you know, you, football is very unpredictable. It's, so there's there's chances there's every chance you could pick up results in some of those games. But I think yeah, to for that to happen, because obviously you know it's twelve games into the season without a win now, they need they just need to pick up. If they can pick up those two wins against Burnley and Norwich, that gets that gives them confidence, and that added in with sort of new manager, new ownership. There's a bit of a feel good factor still there. That could take take them a long way, and then if they can get into January, you know, above the relegation zone or even if they're you know within a point, then they're much more attractive proposition for potential players coming in. I, I think if they're finding themselves in the position where they're what they're now, they're currently five points adrift. If they're still sort of five, six, seven points adrift, like you said, I think you'll struggle to get people in in January. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think what you said there about how it's why I'm kind of all right with try and outscore the opposition because if we if we sort of sit back and wait and try and try and keep it tight and nick one, as you said there, we're, we're not good enough defensively. He hasn't got the time to, to drill us into a good defensive unit, I don't think. Um, yeah. So if it means 
we have a few three threes. I guess it's better than you know a dull nil nil or a one one. Um, obviously, you don't want to lose the games, but um, I think if it attacks our strength, then we should just go with that. And, and against the likes of Burnley and things like that, um, they're not going to come and try and play us off the line. Burnley might actually at the minute the way they're playing this season, they've gone very gung ho all of a sudden. But, um, you know, generally the teams who sit back and try and play for draws away from home, yeah, it'll suit us more if we've got this new attacking philosophy. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not certain it's going to work, but um, I'd much rather we go for it and you know end up falling on our sword than just sitting back and getting beat one nil. Which is what was happening more and more under under Bruce. Um, and we obviously needed to change. I'm, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say we needed to keep the old manager in by any means. So no. <laughs> we, we've got to go for it. I think you've got to score goals to win games, um, and I think we're better off trying to do it than trying to keep it tight and nick it one nil. Um, how we approach the bigger games might be a bit different. I don't know. I mean, if we go to an Arsenal next weekend with the midfield of Willock and Shelby, we will get beaten heavily. I'm absolutely certain of that. Yeah, I'll be... I mean, you, you almost have to look at the, the Leeds method just now, don't you? Like, as you say, the defence isn't quite, you know, to the level that you want to play defensive football. So why not just go and attack and try and outscore the opponent? And you'll lose 3-2 or 4-3s, get, you know... Two two draws and three two wins, you know it's better to it's almost better to win fifty percent of your games and lose the other fifty percent than drawing them all. You know it's better you know, over over the course of it, it it's it's a better points tally that you're going to end up with than just no you know either nil nils or losing you know try to defend the whole game and then conceding a silly goal in the eightieth minute and then oh wait a minute we now we need to try and attack and get caught again so yeah I'll wait for a, a fun few months anyway Dave regardless well that's it and I think as you say there you know if, if fans are happy to go to games and enjoy and going to watch football matches it makes for a better atmosphere and that's the type of thing we're going to need to try and drag us back into this because um, we're, we're not going to beat Man City at home with a flat crowd like we need a 12th man and you need, it's all cliche and stuff but I've seen it happen you know um, we, we beat Man City under Rafa and it's Fully believe that you know the, the crowd being on the side and all that kind of thing makes a huge difference. So um, we've got to give ourselves every chance we've got, and if that means you know playing attacking football and, and, and going a little bit gung ho, or certainly more gung ho than we were, then it's worth a try. But uh, we've got to work it out for certain. And just what you need is when Saint Maximum has sprinted the length of the pitch. He wants <laughs> Joe Linton making the decoy run so he can slip it through to Callum Wilson, if not the other way around. I know, for goodness sake. Like, <laughs> I mean, Sam Maxman, if he stays fit in this in this sort of system, he'll have a wonderful time. But why does it have to be Joe Linton? And why did he have to fall <laughs> over? Like, he, he scored early in the game, and by all accounts, it was probably his best game for us. He uh, seemed to play pretty well, but um, that finish, well, lack of finish, just hit hit the ball, man. Goodness sake. I'll tell you what came up on the BT Sports Goal Show when a fan tweeted in about build the team around Joe Linton. Um, trying to be a bit, a bit premature. I am played. Um, we'll move on from Newcastle to the relegation rivals candidates um, with a manager you know very well, Simon. So Norwich City appointed the two week removed <laughs> fire. <laughs> Um, Dean Smith, um, I think it's a great appointment, but it's rather strange that you would fire a manager 
and hire somebody who's just been fired for being in the relegation zone. Very quick, I do think, again, as much as I crapped on Dean Smith when he was at yourselves, Simon, that I just, it wasn't for his lack of managerial ability. It was just more, I believe, he can use as far as his ability could. Um, and I think Norwich are in the right position for for a manager like Dean Smith. So, I mean, I'll come to you first, because obviously you've got the most experience with Dean Smith here, but um, a 2-1 win in, in his debut as manager. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I think it's a really sensible appointment for them. Um, for, you know, I was, so when I was down um, at the England game last week, one of the lads uh, that I go with, he's a Norwich fan, and we were chatting, they were chatting about Dean Smith with him, and he, he was kind of like how most Norwich fans online seem to be. Like he, he seemed like a, a bit sort of down on it. And I was, I was trying to explain to him that I don't. I think you, know, you should be very grateful to have to have him available to, to go to because the choice between him and Frank Lampard, no choice at all. You know, he's. It, it's unlikely I think he'll keep them up. I mean, he's got experience of, of keeping a team up. He kept us up in our first year. But I, I don't I don't think they've got the quality to do it. But I think they've probably made that appointment sort of knowing that, well, you know, he's given us a half a chance to maybe stay good. But if we do go down, he'll be pretty well-placed to take us back up because he's got the experience of, of getting the team promoted. So, the, as far as the appointment goes, I, I think it was a smart one. And... Um, you know, he got, he got off to a perfect start with the with the win yesterday. I mean, I, to be honest, I've only sort of seen the brief highlights and match of the day, so I'm, I don't really know too much about how well Southampton may have played or not. But from Norwich's point of view, back to back wins, um, bit of bit of momentum now, and it's I'm not sure the next sort of coming fixture. I know they've got obviously Newcastle coming up soon, but they're only. Only now three points off, off safety, and you're looking at the sort of bottom end of the table. You know, if you maybe look at that bottom four. There's not not many wins between any of them. None of them have really started off that well. So they've they've given themselves. I think I think they've got put it this way. They've got a much better chance of staying up now. I think with Dean Smith in charge, then had they stuck with Barker for the for the rest of the season. Yeah, they, 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 def- they definitely need to change in the, I think, the, the sort of like a losing culture under Farker, especially going at the Premier League level. What was it, five and forty-six or something like that, or six and forty-six or whatever it was? But you know, not uh, not particularly a good record. Um, the next game is Wolves actually as well at home, which is it's, you know it's winnable. I mean, Wolves have been very good, but they're not exactly Man City. So um, why not? They've. Uh, I think it's a great appointment, Dean Smith. I think, I mean, not for, I wouldn't want them personally, but for Norwich, I think it's ideal. Um, it's definitely an upgrade. And as you say, if they go down, they'll be in a great position to come back. So, um, they've got, they've given themselves a chance, which is what I was saying before, you know, two wins. We had Norwich written off weeks ago. Um, they've won two on the spin, all of a sudden we're saying, well, you know, it could be worse. Um, they're only three points away from safety. So it's all about getting those wins on the board as quick as possible. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Especially that's a good one yesterday against not high flying Southampton, but they were they're confident their fields had been up. You know, as of like the performances had started to kinda of come back for themselves and 
we were quite not quite high in them, but you know we were certainly weren't down on them considering, as you say, we'd ruined Norwich completely, like the lowest points total ever. Just a few. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I really don't know what to add. I, I do. I, I say I, I, I'm convinced they've made probably the, the perfect appointment um, for Norwich. Uh, I, I, I still find the whole situation weird. It's just the whole manager thing, like. I'm not sure in anywhere you're getting sacked for doing badly at your job to be hired by um, a, another company who's on the same level as you uh, within, <laughs> within a space of a week. But, yeah, I mean, fair play to Dean Smith as well for taking on such a role. And the way he's talking as well, he's 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 not convinced that it's a foregone conclusion that they're going to go down, that's for sure. No, well, I mean, as I say, the... Our first year back when we stayed up, I think we, with four games to go, we were seven points adrift with four <laughs> games to go. So, you know, I think every, everyone, and you me know, I basically written us off. I think everyone pretty much thought, well, Villa are gone and, and we stayed up. Somehow we stayed up. So I think he's, he's going to, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's got that experience of, you know, that, that, that goes a long way. It's a valuable thing to have that. So I'm sure we'll be very bullish about their chances. Yeah, so like moving on off that, I I was going to move on to Spurs, but and actually Conte was in charge the the last time we did the podcast, so nobody actually cares about Spurs. So <laughs> let's, let's go on to the Manchester United game. Um, <laughs> one for pure shits and giggles, because I'm sure all three of us enjoyed the scoreline thoroughly. A um, couple of talking points in this: Harry Maguire and his. What are you saying about me now? Celebration um, for England. Shut the fuck up, you slabhead. Um, and then, obviously, come the end of it, Watford finally were the demise of um, Ole Solskjaer, who has um, left his post um, today. Uh, Dave, we'll come to you first. Um, how good was this game? Well, it was uh, action-packed from the first minute, really. I mean, you say everyone enjoyed the score. I could have, could have done a Man United win this, to be honest. <laughs> The way the table's looking, you know, Watford have pulled out a 5-2 win at Everton and a 4-1 win against Man United. Without those points, they'd, be, they'd have seven points and be down there with us. So, um, They're a funny team to work out, Watford, aren't they? They've had some incredible results, but they've also had some stinkers. So, um, I, really, I really don't know what to make of them when we're 12 games in. Um, so I suppose, you know, let's praise Watford first. They, 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 you know, they, they got at Man United, they did what you have to do, which is... <laughs> press them and um, expose people like Harry Maguire, who has you know seemingly no sense of like I'm playing against San Marino and Al- Albania, so I probably won't overegg this. Um, <laughs> and then obviously, what was it was inevitable he was going to make some sort of error <laughs> following <laughs> that ridiculous celebration. Um, it's harder. It's hard to say anything other than, like, the players have got Solskjaer out of the sack. I mean, I know he's not a great manager by any means, but some of the things that happened in this game were just insane. Like, the, the Maguire one is just one example of many, but um, it's been coming for, for months now, hasn't it? Like, yeah. Man United haven't played well for pretty much any game, to be honest. Like, even the games they win, they, they, they tend to ride their luck a bit. Um, it's quite amusing seeing them having the third worst defence in the league. Joint with Leicester in third. Um, 
despite <laughs> you know despite being eighth on the table. It's just not like them. Uh, and I don't know who they're going to appoint. I know Carrick's got the job on, on an interim basis, but <laughs> which, which in itself is funny. But I, I, I don't know. It's all about Lauren Blanc coming in uh, until the end of the season. I, I don't know who they're going to appoint. But um, it, it's not like they're taking over us and you say, well, they've got the work cut out. Like, they've got a pretty good squad. Like, I think I think anyone, any competent manager should be getting them into the top six at the very least. Um so I'm, I'm not, like, you know, particularly worried for them about where they're going to finish, but the, 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 it's a shame they've finally got rid of them. I think it was funny while that lasted. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually, yeah, I'm, like, you're disappointed in Watford for, for Newcastle. I'm disappointed in Watford because they, they got on the sack. Like, I was, I was all for them getting a new contract, and uh, very strange that Man United TV or Man United whatever put out a farewell interview with... Ah, oh, don't, don't, mate. It's fucking embarrassing. Yeah, so well, weird. I'm, I'm glad somebody else agrees with me, but um, i seen a Man United fan today saying they feel sorry for Ole Solskjaer because he was forced upon with Cristiano Ronaldo and Jadon Sancho as signing. That must, <laughs> like, wow, I wish they'd lost one off. That must be awful. Imagine how to deal with players like that in your team. Now, I'd get you don't want like clubs signing players for the manager when they don't want them, but surely that can't be a negative on the club when they're, when they're signing players like that. And as you mentioned the last time, Dave, like, Man United have been after Jadon Sancho. Not just for some of This has been like a two-year. Well, this has been the problem the whole time Solskjaer has been sat there going, well, I don't want him. <laughs> and eventually, eventually they managed to grind him down. He's like, well, I told you. <laughs> but, um, I, do you know the only person I felt sorry for in this game was actually David De Gea who saved Sars penalty retaken saved it again <laughs> they still get beat 5-1 uh, 4-1 um, but as you say Dave Watford are like Man United are a, a farce I do believe we have a proper manager in charge a proper manager not Michael Carrick um, I'm not right completely off top but I really hope we get like a six game winning run from Man United now and <laughs> and slapping that paper on the table <laughs> sign him up this um, is why it's stupid appointing appoint an interim manager like if he does well the only thing a press gang will appoint him again yeah. and, if he do, and if he does poorly then it's a waste of time so like just go and appoint a manager like it can't be that hard you're one of the biggest clubs in the world <laughs> you, you say it can't be that hard <laughs> But like, I, this, whoever is in charge, like a boardroom level with like the big decisions, whoever whoever's making them, they they're clearly just incompetent because, like, you you sort of think, like, the, like the, the timing of this is just really odd. Like, surely after that Liverpool game, you just thought, oh, fuck, right, let's just get rid. You've you've just had a two week international break. You've lost the first game back after that, and okay, it was like pretty bad loss, admittedly. But like in the meantime, if you you got rid of him but after that Liverpool game, or when he really a lot longer ago before that, he should have gone. You could have got Conte in, who is a genuinely top top manager. It's just there's just no fucking thought or planning or any competence going on there. Like it's it's just so 
I mean, it's funny, but like it's embarrassing for a club of that size. It, it is pretty pathetic, really. I think the worry about Conte is that he's just like a he's like a a two season manager, isn't he? He comes in, he spends a load of money, he wins something, and then he falls out with everybody and leaves. Yeah. And I think they're a bit At least he wins about. something. Well, exactly. I know. And Adam <laughs> swings it around about, doesn't it? Um, but I, th- I think they've got themselves obsessed with this. Well, we need a project. And I mean, the answer to that was Pochettino, who again like was available for a period of time, and they still didn't go and get him. Um, I, I, I don't know who they're going to get. Like Brendan Rodgers is the favourite. Looking at where Leicester are on the table, I think if they went from, he'd, he'd go in, in an instant um, because they are. They are not good at the minute. Um, obviously, Chelsea were good, a difficult opponent, but they didn't even lay a glove on them really yesterday. It was pretty poor. Um, I just wouldn't just take them as far as he can. So I wouldn't be surprised if he, if he went for it. But if they're obsessed with a point in an interim at the end of the season, um, all better off. I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's a stupid idea, but it seems to be what they want to do. Yeah, no, I completely agree, Dave. Um, as you say, uh, an interim manager, it just... You're you're on a hiding to nothing, um, because especially an interim manager like like a Carrick or I don't know if they bring in like I don't know like a really old manager who's not really interested in managing full time. I'm I'm honestly just waiting on Fergie coming back. <laughs> well, he might as well. He's there at every game anyway. <laughs> from all accounts, from everything, if you if you believe everything you read, he pretty much still runs the club. Um. Especially, obviously, under the time that, that Ole was there. It, it, and, and I'd imagine it's going to be no different if Carrick and Fletcher are the, the ones kind of day-to-day. It, it's clearly like Fergie there with, with just his, his face not being on the, <laughs> on the one. Ah, who knows, but it's funny. I mean, Ranieri took over Watford five games ago, something, something like that. Obviously, his first game was against Liverpool. And they now don't get me wrong. Playing against Liverpool, Liverpool can make you look stupid. Ask Man United that, um, and ask Arsenal that today. No. So it's kind of it's kind of hard. But in that game, we all all three of us said that Watford just looked pathetic. You know, they were very lackluster. It was like there was nothing at all. There was no identity. You can't tell me Claudio Ranieri, who none of us were really high on, has managed to transform this Watford team into a team. It's four one better than Man United. Oh, surely isn't that bad a manager? Like, what is going on? Um, right, that's the that's the the manager bounces. Obviously, the the three new managers in the league and the the, the now one outgoing. Um, I'll just run through the scores of the other games and then we can have a a chat over whatever you want of of these games. So we had a Leicester at home to Chelsea, as you mentioned there, Dave, and Chelsea winning three 0 um, just a, a pathetic display from, from Leicester. Uh, again, Burnley 3, Crystal Palace 3. God knows what's going on at Turf Moor just now. Uh, we have Wolves 1, West Ham 0. The wheels falling off at West Ham. Uh, Liverpool at home 4 0 win against Arsenal, um, which was unexpected but very Arsenal, so not surprising in the end, I guess. Uh, Man City with a 3 0 win at Everton. Um, and Spurs 2 leads 1 in the, the Sunday evening game so chaps any 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 points you want to come in any of the results that we've not spoken about so far I think uh, go on Dave 
I was going to say in the uh, in the Chelsea Leicester game, um, we've all seen you know Chelsea play their wing backs so high up. They're effectively you know proper wingers rather than wing backs, but they if you look at them as being like sort of the the, the pinnacle of that system, and they obviously get the most out of James and Chilwell or whoever's playing in those positions. It looks really obvious to me, but every everyone who plays against them tries to match up with them, and just does a slightly worse version of that formation and, get, and gets beaten. Like, why wouldn't you just play four at the back and give those wing backs some defending to do against actual wingers? Like, it just seems kind of <laughs> to me. Like, Leicester were so bad yesterday trying to play against them, and they, they obviously play that system quite often, but they had no width whatsoever, and it was just very, very easy for Kante and Jorginho to to mop up in there. And you look at Kante's goal where he picks the ball up. And he just saunders through nobody and shoots. And Leicester was supposed to have two two hold midfielders in there. So I just, I just <laughs> if Brendan Rodgers is a tactical genius, I'm, you know, I thought he felt well short yesterday. And I think, uh, like I say, look up and round the country now at these teams who want to play with these these wing backs, like Spurs did today. <coughs> and uh, I mean, they were they were pretty poor for an hour. Um, I know Regulon got the winner from it was, it was from a free kick. Rebounds wasn't really an open player, but Chelsea play the system so much better than anybody else, and I think it goes back. Like you know, remember when, like when Mourinho came to England and everyone was playing four four two, and Mourinho started playing four three three, and everyone went, "Oh, this is this is good," and they all tried they all tried to play it, but just played a slightly worse version, and obviously all got beat off Chelsea. So <laughs> I just think we're very much in danger of going back down that route, and uh, it's just playing in the hands of Chelsea. If you look at who they struggled against, Man City beat them without too much of a fuss. Playing a back four, like there's absolutely no need to try and match up with Chelsea. Um, try and give them something to think about because the the wing backs are just having an absolute party at the minute. And that ends tactical corner. So I <laughs> <laughs> well, I just want to know if there's anyone in the world who would have predicted Burnley three Crystal Palace. <laughs> <laughs> what is that... going, what's going on there? Like, I just. Like they've signed, Mac, they've signed, they've signed one foreign player, and all of a sudden they think they're bloody like Barcelona in two thousand and three. Like it's just insane. Is that in fact? Is that two home games in a row that they've scored three? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, I mean that. I mean, supposing it's, it's finally nice for the uh, the crowd at Turf Moor to see entertaining football on a regular basis. Um, that Max Cornet, that goal was. Fucking outstanding, wasn't it? Oh, he's, he's so good, and he's like, I don't know, he's end up there. I, I was just going to say, like, I think, I think we said it the other week. It, he he must be on his phone to his agent saying, we, "There's been a mistake in the paperwork here." Because <laughs> how 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 have they got him? He looks quality. I like, just imagine looks... this text with his agent being like, "What is an Ashley Westwood?" And it's just <laughs> <laughs> it's just so odd. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, to be fair, like sort of watching the highlights of the match for the day, it looked, it looked like a cracking game of football. Which if you'd have said, like, if you'd have said last season, oh, you'd want Burnley Palace would be like first one match of the day or something because of the six goal thriller, you'd be like, all right, so you lay off the the shadows, mate. <laughs> got... I'm not sure what was worse in that game. To be fair, chaps, Christian Benteke scored twice, which is still bamboozling to me or the fact that the two centre-halves at Burnley had two assists and a goal between them <laughs> that's, that's, that's less surprising isn't it it's like, <laughs> that's the Burnley way but uh, Palace are, Palace are great like really enjoyable to watch maybe not defensively but um, 
They're quite, you know, again, old boy Gallagher got his England cap, which is well deserved. Um, yeah, it's, uh, they've got a lot going for them in the 10th. Like we said the other week, they've only lost twice. Um, so they've been really hard to beat as well. Um, so I think they, I think they'll be, only going up the table, to be honest. I don't see any reason for them to fall down the table the way they're playing. Um, there's a lot to like about them. Like I said, Burnley, I, I kind of hope this is their time to go down for many reasons, but um, they're very different now that they score goals. <laughs> um, <laughs> but they also they also ship a lot of goals, so I'm not very sure how that's going to help. It makes you feel better, Dave. I will take Burnley going down if it means you guys staying up for public content, at least on the, the podcast. Yeah, that means a lot. We don't need to have cha- we don't need to have championship corner, do we? Like that's the last. Thing. <laughs> I, I struggle that's, to keep that's the last thing with podcast <laughs> <things. laughs> A championship segment every Sunday. As well. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I mentioned the the wheels coming off at West Ham. Obviously, definitely not really happening. But a um, couple of couple of bad results in a row for for West Ham. But nice to see Jimenez back in in amongst the goals at Wolves. Wasn't the last result beating you? Like, it was, was yeah. <laughs> they lost the week before that, hadn't they? They had they'd won four in a row before that. Before they did, yeah, they they they, they beat, battered us and then they beat you the week after, yeah. Thought they had lost the last game. I think they drew in they drew in Europe in like the last minute, which really felt like a defeat. Maybe you think of that. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. I don't, I, I, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're fourth. They're doing really well. Wolves are just a good side. Like it's, it's a tough list to go. I mean, they're sixth. They're only yeah, you know, just behind West Ham in the table. Um, very, very dull. Don't really have a lot of time for Wolves, but um, they're sixth, so fair play. And yeah, West Ham had beat Liverpool first the week before. Yeah, you stupid West Ham. <laughs> um, I'm checking this now. Had they? Is that what they had? They really won four 0 They had time. Yeah. So the last the last defeat was um, against Brentford at the start of October. Yeah, shut your puss, Al. You're shite in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know what any other games to worth talking about. I mean, obviously the the, the Liverpool one is there, but it was whilst the the form was unexpected. Liverpool genuinely are that much better than Arsenal. I don't care what anybody says. Like. If both teams are playing at their best, Liverpool are probably four goals better than them still. Yeah, that was a bit of a reminder for Arsenal. It's, it's one thing beating a lot of fodder in the league, but um, they're still a mile away from the, the very, very top sides. Yeah, especially if they try to play that. They, 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 they jot a goal. I don't know if any of you guys have seen or watched the game. The, the Arsenal player just literally passed the ball to jot on the edge of the 18 <laughs> Yeah. yeah and then... The, 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 the name one defender jumped out the way and Ramsdale thought, oh, I'll jump out the way of this as well. <laughs> Look, on, on Ramsdale, okay, right. Credit to where credit's due. He's kind of shut a lot of people up in his time because we all mocked him and mocked Arsenal for signing them. But he doesn't actually make many saves that he, should, he shouldn't save. Like, the saves he's making are the ones that he genuinely should save. I, I don't get some of the loving that, that he's he, he, he reminded me a bit of Pickford yesterday, um, in that he was like, he made a couple of routine saves and he was sort of like acting the big lad about it. And then mm. for Mane's header, yeah, how did he not it, save that? Like, if he just if he just, just dives like a normal human, he saves it. But for some reason, <laughs> he, 
He tried to, you know, when the rock takes a stunner, he tried to do that like, kind of dive, <laughs> and I don't really know why. Like, there's absolutely no reason for it whatsoever, and obviously it went in. Um, and as you say, I, there was one where like, Alexander Arnold cut it on his left and blasted it. It was going a mile over the bar, and he tipped it over. And he, honestly, he acted like it was Gordon Banks tipping that, that telly head wide. Like it was such a such a no reaction. Um, but I, I mean, he, he shut me up really. I thought he'd be, I thought he'd been really, really good for most of his time at Arsenal. Uh, far better than I thought he was at Bournemouth. But I thought it's gone to his head a little bit yesterday watching him. Yeah, he did a Harry Maguire or not? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Trent was Trent was phenomenal in this game. Uh, I, I mean, right, I'm going to come on to Diego Jota for for a minute, guys. Just in this, just before we move off this game, but. I thought Diego Jota, apart from inside the box, was actually awful yesterday. He couldn't control the ball, he couldn't pass the ball. Apart from, I, I still don't understand how he managed to flick on that ball to Manny with so much power for that header. But apart from in the box, he was he was useless. Like, I was screaming for him to not be on the park. <laughs> but oh. he was so incredible. And that header is just, I don't know, it just doesn't make sense. But you have higher standards than I do. But I mean, I watch, I watch, again, I watch Joel Linton every week, so you know. <laughs> I, I would happily swap if that's what you're offering. I was impressed, but I'll swap you, Jota, for St. Maximan. Ah, uh, no thanks. <laughs> now we'll have a different discussion. Um, I'll give you Manny for St. Maximan. No thanks. Yes, you're, you're fighting a hard bargain here. <laughs> um, that's nothing there, nothing there, nothing there. Sunday's games. I didn't watch any of them today. I watched a lot about the Tottenham Leeds game. Any any thoughts on any of the two games today? Um, what happened to Arsenal? Man City won three 0 against Everton. If Jordan, yeah. Pickford, if Jordan Pickford had regular human-sized arms, he'd have saved Rodri's strike, um, <laughs> which was a lovely hit. Don't get us wrong, but like it looked like it flew in the top corner. And I saw it back and I was like, if his arms were regular size, he'd have saved that. But <laughs> maybe I'm just harsh. Um, but the the, the ball from uh, Cancelo oh, uh, next goal. He's oh, absolutely, you know. he's unreal, really. Like, he must be the most creative right-footed left-back in the world, <laughs> which, which is a very niche Venn diagram, <laughs> I, I, I admit. Yeah. But like, he is <laughs> Philip so. Philip Arms, the only other one I can think of in the last twenty years. <laughs> but no, he's he's so good. Um, what a ball! And even Sterling couldn't miss, which he then proved. Later on, he could miss. The ball for the goalkeeper. That was very generous. <laughs> very generous indeed. Uh, but I mean, Man City and Chelsea look unpenetrable, if that's a word. Uh, whereas Liverpool look, as usual, the most thrilling to watch. Um, it's a, uh, I'm hoping it'll be a good three-horse race. Um, I, I don't think West Ham will keep up the pace. I know they're obviously six points off the top at the minute, but. I don't think um, they'll be in the title hunt. I think they'll be in the European hunt, but I don't think they'll be anywhere near the title spaces. Um, so I think those three are comfortably the better teams in the league. Um, they've all got... I mean, Chelsea have conceded four goals in 12 games. It's, it's pretty mad. Like, I mean, it's, it's a pretty good record. I'm beginning to think this computer might be on to something. He <laughs> 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 mocked it when... It said it was only because he needs three more goals, but um, right now it's looking it's looking fairly likely. Um, I mean, for, I mean, we, we obviously spoke of Conte last week, and you mentioned earlier Dave about the type of manager he is. But uh, are you impressed at all with the, the two games? He's only had two games, but I think it was 0-0 last week in his first game, and then did he finish two 0 today. They finished two so, one. one. They, yeah. went, they went behind. I was just thinking like. 
obviously Conte plays this wing-back system. I don't really think Spurs have got the players for it. Like, I watched them for the most part of, must have been an hour today, and I thought, say, Emerson Royale is a, is a good full-back. We didn't, you know, at Chelsea had Victor Moses playing that wing-back role, and whether you like Victor Moses or not, he's a, he's a very attack-minded player. In fact, he's, you know, spent most of his career playing as a forward, so it was more natural for him to do it. I just don't get that same sort of vibe from, uh, from Emerson Royale. Um, and when you throw into that, you know, Hoiberg and Winks playing in centre midfield, and you think, well, what's the, what's the point? Um, <laughs> and then obviously Hoiberg equalised, and I sort of realised I was maybe an idiot, but uh, yeah. he, he has a system, he knows how to play it. Um, he's obviously not going to change it. He bought Ashley Young into Milan and they won the league, so he obviously is onto something that works for him. Um, I'm just not convinced Tottenham have got the squad or the players to, to carry it off. Luckily, he's only going to get through about six more games and he can go and buy more old wing-backs who can, <laughs> fill, it, who can fill the positions. Um, Harry Kane still only has one league goal, which is hilarious. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's a good manager, but you can't polish a turd. And yeah. that's where we're at with Tottenham for me. Yeah, no, completely fair. Um, I think your issue with Hoiberg and Winks... Not sure Hoiberg is the issue. No, no, definitely not. <laughs> I'm fairly confident that Harry Winks um, might be the might be the solution um, by removing him from the team. Uh, but yeah, Kane looks so lack of, he's not playing San Marino, so he just doesn't care. Um, that's <laughs> get him San Marino, get him Albania, and he will flourish. Yeah. I, I thought like, the, the game today, I, I missed the first half of it. So, I, I, you know, I, by all accounts, I think Tottenham were quite poor in the first half. Yeah. The second half, I, I, I kind of thought that there was only going to be one winner. To, to, I mean, I don't know, it was like they created like a hat full of great chances, but I think Leeds just didn't offer anything in that second half. And it felt, for me anyway, like when Spurs got the equaliser, that, 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 that they go on. And, and finish the game off. And, oh yeah, I've, Tottenham were a million times better in the second half, um, and that's not even exaggerating. Like they were so poor for me in the first half, they didn't have a shot on target again, um, <laughs> and they put that right within about thirty seconds in the second half. So um, if that's what Conte will bring them, then you know he might he might drag them up the table. But I think they're lagging a bit at the minute. Uh, yeah, definitely. I, well, I I don't I can't. I can't imagine that he would have agreed to have taken that job having turned it down in the summer without being given assurances of some proper money to spend in January next summer. Because there, there's, yeah, there's a bit of work needed to into that squad. It just seems so negative to me to play. You could play three forwards, which is fine. And then, obviously, you're essentially a back five because I say the wing-backs aren't the most attacking in the league by any means. Um, plus Hoiberg and Winks. At home, I get it. <laughs> It doesn't seem right um, when you've got Ndombele and Ali and other more attacking midfielders available on the bench, but I don't know. That's what he wants to play. So I suppose there's no point in chopping your new system. That's how it's going to be. That's how it's going to be. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, it's kind of the type of manager he is. He's kind of renowned for that kind of defensive system, and he's just going to hope. It feels a bit like Man United. They're just hoping on the, the, the world-class talent that they actually have can produce a bit of magic and 
they're really going to hope that the the Muras, the Canes, the the Sun can produce something at the other end of the if they're solid enough at the back that get the ball to them and see what they can produce. Yeah, well, I mean, there's, there's some logic in that, I guess, but uh, I, I think Tottenham's player. Well, firstly, I mean, it was it's not markedly better than when Nuno was there for me, um, and it probably will be longer term, but. To get Nuno out to bring this in, like it's not, it's yeah. not massively better straight away. But I guess there's a better long-term plan there. Well, you, you, you'd like to think. So, <laughs> um, again, time will tell. Um, well, that brings us to the end of the the results, chaps. Um, any any other business you want to you want to bring up? Uh, no, nah, not not too much I can think of. No, we've 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 covered a lot, and I look forward to doing it all again next week. Yes, we we'll hopefully we <laughs> so we can discuss more games um, rather than the, just the managers. But thank you once again for joining me, chaps. If you just want to let everybody know where they can find you and anything you're working on, I'll start with you, Dave. Uh, so you can find me on Twitter at cm and seven nine eight, and the website is cm and seven nine eight dot uk. And Simon. Uh, so on Twitter it's at Sire Regan and for the fans the Holtcast podcast and the website for that is 7500toholts.com And you can find us at Man in the Post on all your social media platforms. Chris and the gang will be back on Thursday slash Friday morning with the Time Show and Dave says we will be back next Monday with your next weekend's review show Um yeah, I think that's it podcast-wise. Be sure to give us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to your podcast. Subscribe, follow, like, whatever your device requires. Um, and obviously we have our Manscaped sponsor still going, so thanks again to them. Uh, visit manscaped.com, enter the promo code MOTP at checkout for 20% off and free worldwide shipping. Um, and also thanks to the guys at Apollo Junction with the song Light Up the Sky, uh, which you will hear in full when I finish rambling on. Um, check on Spotify. The link will be in the bio. So thank you again to those guys. Without them and Manscaped, obviously, this wouldn't be happening. Thank you again for listening at home. Thanks to the guys for joining me. Thank you. Cheers, Ali. And always remember, keep your man in the post. <laughs>